Do you want to find solutions that help teams make better decisions, solve problems faster and free their creative minds to come up with smarter solutions? There's a workshop for that. Bonjour, I'm Nati Ravez and I'm delighted to welcome to this show facilitators and experts who share their knowledge and experience of everything you need to know in the world of facilitation, giving you tips and tools for leading groups, sparking collaboration and driving innovation. Thank you for tuning in and let's go. Hello, hello, hello. I'm super happy to have a special guest today. A person that um, maybe she don't know it, but uh, I'm following since a while. And uh, actually, I am a big fan of because she was hosting um, a podcast uh, called Happy Hours with Brittany Barring, which was also my guest uh, last year around the same time in the podcast and one of my favorite facilitator. And the two of the two of them. Penny Blackmore and Brittany were just chatting about life, about the little things of life, about business, about strategies by drinking a little wine, if I may say. Hi, Penny. How are you? Hi. Hi, Natty. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And thank you for the very warm welcome. Ah, oh, you're welcome. I'm so happy you're here because... Um, not only you are running a business with B2B clients, but you are also coaching and helping facilitators, consultant, um, self-employed person to, to leverage mm -hmm. their, their business and to be more comfortable with sales. So what is a big, big topic, um, for the person who turned to be freelance. So I'm super happy to be with you today and to learn from Thank you. you. <laughs> I hope so. I hope I have something <laughs> reasonably useful to share. Yeah, we don't have wine right now because it's uh, a little bit too early for wine. I have mm -hmm. my coffee. Do you have your coffee? Mm -hmm. I have. I just have water. I had too many coffees today already, so <laughs> I didn't want to be too, uh, ex uh, yeah, too, too many coffees. <laughs> So Penny, you you are Australian, mm -hmm. but you're living in Germany. How you came from Australia to Germany and and how you did your whole career so far? Okay, sure. Um, so uh, when I was when I was kind of in my adolescence, when I was I started gymnastics when I was ten, and I retired when I was twenty. I was part of the national team in Australia, and I eventually. Um, managed to compete at the Olympics, which was great. It was a career highlight, obviously. Um, but when you, when you're a gymnast, you train a lot. So I was training between 35 and 40 hours a week, um, and trying to go to school and live my life and so on. Actually, that's a lie. I didn't live my life. I just did a lot of training. <laughs> um, And so like it, it really just takes over your entire being when you're, when you're an elite athlete. And so when I retired, when I was 20 years old, I went to university and I kind of really, I was like, I don't understand how this arts degree is going to help me get a job. Okay. <laughs> um, and I really, so I was like, I'm going to take a break. Um, and I'm going to try and do a bunch of different jobs and see where I want to be in the world. 
Um, I ended up doing a whole bunch of different things. So I like managed a bakery and I worked in retail and I worked in hotels and everything. And eventually I got a job at an ad agency for um, being a receptionist. My job, job was the office manager and receptionist. And it was kind of my first like office job where I really started to you know, understand the way business works and, and how things in, I feel like when you're young, the office is this mysterious place and you're like, what happens in there? What, what do people discuss in meetings? Like, um, and so I kind of, I worked there for a while. Um, I realized that I do not want to work in advertising at all. Um, and then I got a job as a career coach at a big, um, tech startup called General Assembly, um, basically my job there was to help all of the students, uh, that finished the boot camps. Uh, so they did UX and web development boot camps. All of the students, once they finished those boot camps, it was my job to help them get a job. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of my first foray into, um, coaching, I guess, and, and helping people to achieve their goals. Uh, it was very rewarding, but it was also extremely intense, like having, sometimes like 50 students calling you and freaking out about, you know, when they're going to get a job and so on. So I was like, uh, I, I have to get out of here. Um, I was approached by a company called us too, which, uh, they're a digital product studio. They are based in London, but they have offices all over the world. Um, and they said to me, Hey, do you want to come and do our business development for our Sydney studio? And I was like, yes, that's perfect. It's <laughs> exactly what I want to do. So I did that for a couple of years. It was great. It was a real baptism of fire into like pure business development, new business sales stuff. Um, and then I moved to Berlin. Um, and the reason I moved to Berlin is just like Australia is so far away and I don't think, um, you can really understand what it's like until you live there. So, um, you know, it, it very much is this little bubble at the end of the universe and we're, we're not sort of involved in global affairs as much as, as much as I, I don't know. I just felt like it was very, uh, disengaged from what I perceived reality to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also always like really glamorized Europe. I find it to be very charming and, and very old and intriguing. Um, so I decided I wanted to move to Europe and because I don't, I, I never ended up going back to university. Um, so I don't have a degree. The only place that could offer me a freelance visa was Berlin Mm -hmm. in Germany. We have a freelance visa here. The only place that I know of off the top of my head. Um, And so I kind of, I moved here just, I was like, you know what, I'm going to try it. If I hate it, I'll try to move to London and see what happens there and I'll get a job. Um, And now I've been here for nearly seven years. Nice. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So My number one piece of advice moving to a new country is always to just get a job right away because that will make you feel more integrated. So that's what I did. I, I got a job at, at a company called AJ and Smart and they do a lot of workshop stuff and facilitation stuff and design sprint stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went freelance after that. <sighs> Long story. <laughs> Long story. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you've been at AJ and Smart means um, I think – a lot of the listeners know AJ and Smart from the people who are teaching how to facilitate workshops and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think you got also all these techniques 
and methods. Um, how do you blend facilitation techniques into your work with, uh, mm. uh, because now you're working with B2B clients, also with B2C clients. Are you using for yourself, um, facilitation as a tool to, yeah, to, to collect information from your customers? Mm, absolutely. Um, I think that I'm, while I'm definitely not a master facilitator, I think everybody can pick up little tools from workshop techniques that mm -hmm. can be super useful to them. So um, basically what I do with my clients is I help them with their sales and marketing strategy. So uh, usually when I start with a client, there is a whole series of workshops that we do together because there's a lot of information sharing that needs to happen. I need to know a lot about their business and they need to, um, they actually need to kind of be able to visualize uh, their own business from a bit more of an objective point of view. Um, so a lot of the initial workshops that I do with my new clients are based around basically like pulling everything apart mm -hmm. and putting it onto a Miro board. Um, so we talk about their service offering. We talk about their ideal customer profile. We talk about their sales process. We pull all of that stuff apart. And then the next part of the process is that I put it back together in a way that's easier or more streamlined. Um, so I kind of like made my own workshops up. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> I, this I is just good. Pulled, yeah, I just pulled little bits and bobs from um, the the workshops that I've been in in the past um i've been in many a design sprint so yeah i kind of pulled all of these things together and and it works really nicely i think i'm sure it works really nicely mm -hmm. is it a way mm -hmm. to to be more quick and to instead of asking questions and then write down um is it a way to be more effective to work with the client as a consultant mm -hmm. i think that uh First of all, I really like any kind of interaction that is more interactive yeah. as opposed to me just asking questions and them giving me answers. That would be fine. But I find often just even doing the most simple thing of putting, um, putting, you know, answers on a mirror board, writing them down in front of a, a client, they'll start to say, Oh, wow. Okay. I never thought of it that way. Or now that I'm seeing it in front of me, I, I've changed my mind or. So first of all, there's the interactive element that I think makes the material stick a little bit more and it, and it helps people to um, marinate on it and, and digest it. Yeah. <laughs> um, that sounds a bit disgusting, but uh, yeah, it helps them to really get, a, get accustomed to the material. But then also I think that um, a, a really nice side effect is that in the process I can kind of give contextual advice and give feedback along the way. So I can say, okay, well, so far it looks like I'm seeing a lot of ABC thing and maybe we can bring some focus around that. And it allows me to sort of have a two-way conversation with them as opposed to just asking them a whole bunch of boring questions. Yeah. Um, I also have like pretty strict categorization around like what it is that I want. So I think Once people see the mirror board, they're like, oh, okay, I can, I can figure out exactly what we're doing here today. We're not going to be talking about, um, topic A. We're going to be talking about topic B. And then maybe we'll come to topic A later, if that yeah. makes sense. No, no, it totally makes sense because I, I think for, 
lot of consultant or agency who are working with clients, this is a good tool to to start in a way that every everybody is aligned. Because when, when you see also when the clients see what you're talking about or what they just said uh, visually, then they can reformulate or... And then also mm. it's, it's a good way to, to decide together wh where to start because when you are talking, you don't register all the information. When you see mm -hmm. the information you just talked about, it, it's then a good way for you also to, to link, okay, we have this, this and this on what do we want to, where, where do we want to start, so to say? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you touched on something really important there and that is that, um, When it comes to an open discussion, people will often just talk and talk and talk and they'll talk in circles and they won't, they'll be very unfocused in how they share information. But when you're doing it in a workshop format, they're much more constrained in a positive way. So you can kind of always bring them back to um, the actual information that you <laughs> want to discuss as opposed to, you know, and this is something we all do. We all kind of tend to go off on tangents. So yeah. Yeah, I Absolutely. think the workshop format's great for that. Yeah. So great. This is your way of starting with clients. But why I invite you today <laughs> is actually another topic because besides your work with B2B clients, you're also uh, helping people um, to be excited about sales. Is that really possible, Get getting exciting about this topic? Um And I'm very curious about that because when, when I have mentoring session myself with facilitators, or we had a webinar a year, a week ago with 20 facilitators and sales is one of the big topic, uh, finding clients and the sales part. And mm -hmm. I guess maybe 20% are comfortable, feel comfortable with this topic. So tell me about sales. How to make it excited? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I completely understand that a lot of people are, sales makes them nervous. They don't really know what to do or what to say. And also sales has a really bad reputation mm -hmm. because I think a lot of the influences are these like guys from Silicon Valley and they're very macho and then they're, they're like, oh, you have to do this, this thing. And When you think about it, you're like, I don't want to do that thing. That's a crazy thing to do. <laughs> I want to be a real human being. Um, so I didn't realize that I personally really liked sales and talking about sales until I went freelance. So I was like, oh, I think I'm kind of good at this. And I really, I genuinely enjoy the process of like talking to people. Um, and one of the things that I loved about my two previous roles was that when you're a salesperson or, or a new business person, you get to learn a little bit about so many businesses. You get to figure out how people tick. Um, so that was kind of my, I was like, I like it and I'm not crazy. So maybe other people will like it. <laughs> um, and I also think there are like, without any kind of context, some of the skills that you learn in sales are very much transferable to many other aspects of life. So For example, pitching, you might be an HR manager at a big company and you might want to pitch a new idea to your manager. That's a sales skill or negotiation or um, like active listening, like all of these and networking and connecting, like all of these skills come together um, under the sales umbrella. 
Um, so I kind of wanted to, last year I was like, how do I make a sales program for every single person in the world so they can learn these sales skills and use them? Um, and then towards the end of the year, I was like, oh, I can just do the thing that is actually most obvious now that I think about it, which is um, I have freelancers reaching out to me all the time and, you know, solopreneurs and uh, self-employed people. And they're like, hey, Penny, can you help me with my sales stuff? Um, and I hate saying this because it sounds really arrogant, but they can't afford me. So I'm like, I could just put all of those people in a group yeah, <laughs> and teach them about sales. And that will make it much more accessible for them from a price point perspective. Um, yeah. And it, it, so I ran my first course last year and the second one's coming up and I'm very excited about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I think also putting everyone together is also, um, we learn more when we are together because one is asking mm -hmm. a question I might not think about. And, um, yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And would you reveal some secrets about mm -hmm. how to be a sales person without being salesy, so to say, mm -hmm. how to, how to, um, have this skill, um, by being authentic, Because I, mm -hmm. I think that this is the part that we all think that we have to play a role to sell something. But actually, I think it's about relationship with the client. But tell me more. Mm -hmm. um, I think something that nobody tells you about sales when you're selling. Uh, sorry, I don't like saying selling yourself. But when you're a freelancer or a self-employed person, something nobody tells you is that the best thing you can do and the number one thing that every person should do in this context is build your network and continue to build it all the time. Um, and a, a big myth is that once you get a referral from someone in your network, then you've dried that, that person up, that, that uh, referral network up, that that's over. But actually I've gotten like five or six referrals from the one person. Mm -hmm. So that my secret is Make sure you're keeping in touch with the key people in your network as often as possible. Sorry, not as often as possible, but as consistently as possible. So, you know, whether it's uh, popping up in their inbox and saying hi or making a connection or offering some help or sending them a little message on WhatsApp, just make sure that you're present in their mind and they know what you're up to and they know what you're looking for and that you're also helping them. Um, so you know, your network doesn't have to be a thousand people. Your network could be 10 people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest misconception about finding new business is that you literally need like 30,000 Instagram followers and you need to be putting out content every day and you need a YouTube channel. You need to do outreach. You literally don't need to do any of those things. Some people can do some of those things and that's great. But for the regular person <laughs> like me, I'm super uncomfortable on camera. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I really like, I promote myself on LinkedIn and I keep my network really happy and I'm touching base with them all the time. And that's it. That's my whole new business strategy. Yeah. So I think the first step is like demystifying what your new business strategy looks like. Um, and the second part is just like, you don't actually need to, once somebody comes into your, um, I guess we'll call it a funnel, your sales funnel, the top of the sales funnel, 
once you're having a conversation with them and they're in your sales funnel, you might not actually need to sell very hard. What you do need to do is ask loads of questions, get to know them, have a lovely chat. Yeah. (laughs) Tell them about the, you know, you don't even need to say, okay, so here's how I'm going to solve your challenge. You can say, well, you know what? Here's a couple of ways that I can solve the challenge, but here's what I would recommend in this circumstance. I could do ABC thing or how, here's how I've solved this sort of challenge for a client in the past, for a similar type of client in the past. So there are kind of ways that you can soften the language a little bit and make it more accessible. Um, and I think when you're representing yourself as a salesperson, so for example, when I've worked for companies, I was selling their services, but now I'm, I'm the salesperson for myself. Yeah. So people don't want to talk to a salesperson. They want to talk to you. They want to get to know you. So just be yourself, I guess, <laughs> your best self, but yourself. Um, yeah, that's my, that's my philosophy. Yeah. And I think, um, asking a lot of questions really understand and showing that, uh, the, the most interest we have is the person who might want your services, showing them that you really go deep into understand what their challenge are and then coming mm-hmm. up with solutions instead of an offer. Mm-hmm. I, I try to, to change the words that you are here to help them at the end. You are not here mm-hmm. to, of course, for yourself, you need to sell something to pay your bills. This is not the point, but a client needs to understand that you may have a solution for them and it may be your service, the solution, maybe not this time, but another time. And, um, and to, yeah, to change the, the, um, Uh, what is the name? The feeling to be selling something, but just mm-hmm. to bring a solution to the person. Yeah, exactly. And I think, um, I mean, ideally you're always in a situation where you can turn away business. So for example, um, if someone comes to you and they're like, okay, I have this challenge and you think to yourself, I don't think I can solve that. The best thing you can do is be really honest about it. Yeah. Um, and then often they'll be like, Oh, you know, I really appreciate that you were honest with me. What do you recommend? What, you know, how, how could we potentially work together? And then you can say, okay, well, I can, for me personally, um, in, in my business, a lot of people come to me and they say, I want to build a pipeline of a number of leads for new business. Um, and I do think that in the service based businesses, it's really hard to, like sell leads. It's really, unless you're actually making the introductions yourself, it's a very difficult process and it takes a long time. Um, so typically if I'm going to do that, it costs quite a lot of money. And if they, if they don't have the budget for that and they, you know, they say, yes, Penny, we want to work together, but we don't have the budget for that. What can you do? I'm like, okay, let's go upstream. Let's fix your positioning. Let's figure out your key messages. Um, and then you can take that to you know, someone else, a lead generation agency, which I don't believe in, but (laughs) you never know. (laughs) Um, So building trust by being very honest is always the best solution. You don't ever need to lie when you're selling, selling yourself or services. Yeah, exactly. And you don't have to accept uh, everything just because someone is coming to you because 
maybe yeah, there are some challenges we don't feel comfortable to solve. I would not work directly with product teams, for example, uh, because I'm not a product specific person. And I think mm -hmm. you need to have more of context and and background to uh, to go through this. Yeah, of yeah. course. Is is positioning actually because we are talking about sales? What is on the end, more or less, of the process? Is positioning mm -hmm. actually the key to be able to be then more comfortable for the sale at the end? Um, a hundred, I would say almost a hundred percent, ninety nine percent, yes. Um, so that's the first thing that we tackle when I work with my clients. Uh, a lot of my clients kind of do similar things. So I work with a lot of people in the facilitation or workshop space. I work a lot of people in the in the design and development space. Um, so the first step is how do you communicate your offering and co communicate the value of your services in a way that sounds a little different to everyone else or in a way that really resonates with your target customer? Um, so, for example, you know, some target customers will say, okay, all I care about is time to market. I just want to get my product live as quick as possible. Other customers will be like, oh, we're really focused on like culture and team and it's super important to us that we have someone who's the right fit. So we go through a process um, where first off, I'll speak to five of their target customers, people who have either worked with my client in the past or, you know, are in the network. And I'll find out a whole bunch of information about like what it is that drives their buying decisions, what challenges they have. You know, I, I really get to know them. And then we kind of like put together the strengths and weaknesses of my client. And then we bring those things all together. Um, so having that uh, positioning in a really nice little package allows you to do really great messaging across your social media channels and in your communications. It also allows you to pitch more clearly. It allows you to go to networking events and shake someone's hand and just get your point across really quickly. Um, so it's kind of like the, tip of the, mm, that's the wrong analogy. It's the first step. Yeah. <laughs> it's the first step to getting everything else right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's kind of exciting as well. There's a big storytelling element to um, finding the right positioning. And we, we do sometimes test the positioning on different target customers. But yes, I think it's super, super important. If you don't want to miss the release of future episodes, Press the subscribe button on your podcast app and don't hesitate to send us your questions or comments, which I'll be sure to answer at podcast at laworkshoppers.com. I also invite you to sign up for our newsletter called La Workshoppers Gazette to receive valuable resources on facilitation, upcoming events, podcast guests and services offered by La Workshoppers team. Yeah, I think also the first step is to know what do I want to do? Because workshop facilitation, I, I, for example, workshop facilitators tend to be very generalist. What you can be, mm -hmm. of course, where when you have a lot of experience with, with a lot of customers or a lot of methods in your backpack. I'm thinking about Brittany, for example. Of course, she's mm -hmm. known for that. But if you are, if you have some of the methods of facilitation, maybe focusing on one challenge or one topic that um, your customer have so that you have your feet in. I'm a specialist in 
how to reduce your turnover, for example. And I have developed mm -hmm. a, a workshop for that. Not that. In the mentoring session, it was always a aha at the end of the positioning because Of course, when you are clear about your message and what you want to do, you feel then more confident because you have the mm. wording, you can talk directly to the person and it's like uh, a bunch of confidence on one time and then it's you are more strong to go to the rest of the process until the sales. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, something that people are very shy to do often is repeat themselves, but really good positioning um, once you've got it right, that is something you should repeat uh, because people will forget. So, for example, um, I think for me personally, my, my opinion on positioning is that it's kind of 50% service offering and, and what you're actually doing and then 50% who you are. So um, a part of my positioning is that I like to think that I'm kind of approachable and quite honest and um, the t the methods I use are very, very actionable um, and, and accessible to regular people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I hope that everyone can use them. So what it I means you are the time. What it means you are a normal person, Penny. Yeah, I am a normal person. <laughs> Lucky me. Ah, <laughs> oh, thank goodness. <laughs> My whole life I thought I was a bit weird, but Turns out I'm a normal person. No, um, yeah, I mean, normal people. And so it's something that you should, you should absolutely repeat when you feel like um, you're on a sales call with someone and you're not sure if they're really getting the fact that you are trying to give them tools that are very usable um, in a regular person context. You're allowed to kind of say it again. So here's another example of how I'm, I'm approachable and authentic. And here's another example. So it kind of like helps you to build a through line in all of your conversations, um, which is, it's great. Once you've kind of got that established, you're like, okay, I know what people want from me. Um, and I can just tell them different stories in order to reinforce that for them. Yeah. Nice. Great tips <laughs> today. <laughs> Thank you. I was very nervous about this podcast. I was you like, oh my it. gosh, this is, it's always when you actually care. Like I've got this uh, sales for freelancers course coming up and I'm super excited about it. And I really like you. And I was like, I want to do a good job. And so you that's are. always when I'm a bit, are you crazy? <laughs> a bit more nervous. <laughs> I was nervous, by the way. So you have a program which is now coming up. I would love mm -hmm. to have a sneak peek into your program. When is it coming? What it is included? Uh, where sure. we can book it, for example? <laughs> um, okay, sure. I can't wait to talk about this. So I have my Sales for Freelancers program coming up. Um, the first session is on March the 6th. Mm -hmm. It's a four-week program. We meet for two hours each week. And each of the four weeks is dedicated to one of the key aspects of um, your sales offering, I guess. So the first week we do new business, like how to get new leads, how to maintain a great online profile, anything to do with lead generation. We, we're covering that in the first week. Um, in the second week, we basically talk about how to pitch yourself and how to talk about your services. In the third week, we do how to run sales calls and optimize the sales uh, process, which is was surprisingly the most popular module of the last course, mm -hmm. um, the last cohort. And then finally, uh, we talk about creating 
great decks, great proposals and pricing. And I, I share all of the um, templates for those things as well. So we cover a lot of ground, but I feel like I've gotten to a, uh, gotten to a point with my own, uh, I guess, like my own feelings about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this kind of came around at a time in my life where I was like, oh, I know what I believe about sales now. And I think until you get to that point, you can't teach anything because you'll be all over the place. There's so many different ways that you can teach it. Um, there's so many things you could say. But I think last year I, I had this sort of aha moment where I was like, okay, this is the messaging. This is the through line. This is how I'm going to teach people to be more confident um, in the sales process and even excited about it, <laughs> um, which I know sounds strange, but I'm sure it's possible. Um, yeah. Yeah. So did I say the dates? Yes, I did. March the 6th. So we can, uh, I, I will of course share the, in the show notes where to click to get oh, a yes. spot on it. Yeah. So I, I, uh, this is only the second time I've run the program. And so I really want to keep it super lo-fi until I have got all the pieces in place. And I'm like, yep, this is exactly how I want it to be. So the sales process for the course is that basically you book a slot in my calendar. We get to meet for half an hour. Um, I learn about you. I get to know you. I see if you're the right fit for the course. Um, and you can get to know me as well and, nice. and ask me any questions you might have. Um, so it's very kind of hands-on. I want to get to know all of the participants and make sure that this is the right thing for them. Um, and then after that, you just pay an invoice. It's super easy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's no sort of like booking link. There's no webinar. There's no complicated funnel. It's just like, we'll have a chat. And if you like me and you want to learn more, You can, <laughs> you can book a spot. Is it even possible not to like you, Penny? <gasps> Stop. <laughs> I'm sure lots of people don't like me. <laughs> no. I don't know. I, ho I hope, yeah, I hope. I mean, I have a very high, uh, when it comes to selling spots in the course, almost everybody decides to go through with it. The only people I tell, um, Uh, the only people I kind of turn back or turn, is that turn away um, are people who have unrealistic expectations around what the four week program will help them to achieve. Yeah. I spoke to a guy last year and he said, by the end of the course, I hope to have 10 qualified leads in my inbox. And I was like, that is absolutely, I, you know, it was very sweet. I love the ambition, but I was like, that's absurd. First of all, last year I charged 350 euros for the course. So they will be the cheapest 10 qualified leads you'd ever find. Yeah. Um, but also it's not about the course is not about, um, guaranteed leads. What it's about is learning systems for yourself, building confidence, understanding exactly what to do and what to say. Yeah. And I think that's what, um, sort of, uh, that was a key takeaway from my, from my participants last time, they were like, oh, now I know exactly what I should be doing and when <laughs> and how. Um, and then you so need to practice. A lot of stress and, and then you need to practice. You will not get mm -hmm. everything on one time. I mean, you get exactly, the tools yeah. and then you, you need to, to practice and to find your what works, what is not working and, and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I think as a mentor or as a coach, you cannot guarantee anything because... 
this is the per it did it's it, you give the tools it, it's not depending on you if the person is apply what they've learned also exactly yeah yeah, yeah. unfortunately <laughs> i wish i could just wave a magic wand and and make things perfect for everyone but the reality is that getting selling services is very it can be very hard or it can be very easy and with the right tools you start to realize okay i've got a sales call i'm going to try and go through the process correctly and if it doesn't work out that's okay i'll have another sales call um it's always an opportunity to iterate yeah um and improve so now i have another question i was very sad as the podcast ended mm -hmm. i mean happy hour <laughs> yeah Are you planning anything that is coming back? Please tell me. Uh, yeah, I would like, yes, we are. I'm going to say we are. Brittany's going to kill me, but we have discussed it. Um, Brittany and I live on the other side, like opposite sides of Berlin. So mm -hmm. actually like a big part of us not doing it anymore was I was like, I can't sit on a tram for another 50 minutes to get to you. Like it was just, it was too much. But, oh, I'm in her apartment right now because I am dog sitting for her mm -hmm. while she's in the Dominican Republic. So now I live a 13 minute walk away and I was like, let's make a season. Let's make a happy hour, uh, just one season, maybe six episodes or eight episodes or something. Um, and of course we'll keep talking about work, but we'll also talk about life as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is the, it's just a beautiful part actually. <laughs> I remember during the pandemic, we were tr we had the format of work, culture, and life. Mm -hmm. And because it was a pandemic, there was nothing else to do. So we were just talking about Netflix shows. Like that was our culture. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, we have, I, I want to bring a slightly different, more fun mix to the, the life and culture part of things. So we'll see. Hopefully yeah. soon we can do that. Yeah, I hope. I would love to. I mean, you were an inspiration. We started also our little spin-off episode with um, with my friends Appa and Audrey. And we were like, just before we started to do that, listening to the podcast, <laughs> Happy <laughs> Hours, and went, oh, yeah, we can do this and we can do that. So as oh, an inspiration. So, so I was... Oh. I was very, very, very happy to have you here today and to learn from you and um, continue. And I mean, for a person who don't like to be in front of camera, I really love the fact that you are um, putting just easy picture of yourself, authentic picture of yourself on LinkedIn, by the way. Mm. Oh, I have to say, um, so in case you don't know what Natty is talking about, If you look on my LinkedIn profile, you will see that all of the posts that I do have a picture yeah. with them. Um, I don't like doing that at all, but just the post gets so much more traction when you put a picture up there. Um, and I, I, I will say like sometimes I'll sit there, I'll put my face on, I'll sit there and I will take photos for like 20 minutes till I find one that I like. So it is a, a laborious process. Um, the way that I justify it to myself um, on a non-algorithmic level is literally I'm hoping that these like people seeing my face will help them get to know me and get an understanding of like what I'm all about. You know, like I'm not wearing a suit. <laughs> I'm not like a, you know, a serious kind of person. I'm just a, 
I, normal. I'm a normal person. <laughs> I'm a normal person. And they can, they can talk to me about their sales challenges and, uh, I, I will help them. Ah, very nice. <laughs> I wish you a very nice time with the next cohort. Thank you so much. How many people are you uh, welcoming in the program? Uh, 15 this time. I had 10 last time and now I'm upping the ante to 15. Um, so it should be very, very fun. Nice. So I wish you a very good time with them. Thank, Thank you, you so much for joining me. You are my last guest on the podcast uh, recorded from Europe. Oh, wow. Yeah. So exciting. So excited. <laughs> and mm. um, yeah, maybe I will join one of your cohort one time. Oh, please do. Yeah, I'd love that. <laughs> You'd be the perfect addition. I think there's some people that just really brings, and often it's a workshop person, it's a workshop facilitator or um, that just brings so much energy and positivity to the, to the group. So I would love that <laughs> anytime. Thank you, Penny, and see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Have a great trip to Bali. Thank you. Don't hesitate to check out Penny's LinkedIn profile. There are still a few places left on her program, which starts in a few days' time. So if you want to turn your sales process into something exciting, get in touch with her. Next week, Appa, Audrey and I will be back with a spin-off episode, Rendezvous with Le Workshoppers, where we'll be talking about different personality types and why we surround ourselves or want to work with people with similar or complementary personalities. What's more, I'm super excited to announce that we are launching the waiting list for our first bootcamp in April, where we'll be welcoming 10 facilitators who want to embark on the freelance adventure. In short, this bootcamp called Takeoff is your launch pad on this path. It lasts four weeks. We'll cover the topics that freelancers face with, discover your niche, find your ideal client, master the ability to communicate your unique value in a clear and convincing way. Three main workshops with peers on the same adventure, guided homework templates between the sessions. So if you're interested, seats are limited. And if you like to put your name on the waiting list to be the first to get access to registration, I let the link in the show notes. That's it for today. I'll take my plane to Asia in a few days from now. So meet me from the other side on the planet. And until then, I wish you success, a good health and lots of happiness. Au revoir. <laughs>